everyone, and welcome to Cane and Rinse Sound of Play 21. With Sound of Play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly compilation mix, you know it by now, of some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the years. Joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 21 are Cane and Rinse's Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And returning guest friend of the show and uh, all-round polymath, I think that's right, <laughs> Nick Parton. Hello. Uh, so, Nick, you are a man who actually <laughs> makes your own music. I am definitely a man. Yeah, we can tell by your by your rich, sonorous voice. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, but you're a man who actually, uh, as well as enjoying video game music, you've uh, you've made music. Not, not well. You have made video game music as well, I suppose, haven't you? Yeah, um, I had a company called um, Megadev, and we were around for about six years, maybe. And we we moved from uh, flash games eventually to sort of Steam and mobile and stuff. And yeah, yeah, my part was the the music and all that. And mm. um, I got to do a, to be fair, stylistically a huge range of stuff from uh, you know the chip tune uh, style that was that was very popular. Um, yes, uh, right through to orchestral stuff. So, yeah, Fantastic. it was it was great. <laughs> is there a place uh, people can check out your work? Is there a resource? There is um, for all my all my professional work, uh, video game work. It's just nickparton.co.uk, and um, I have a band called Fine Excuses at fineexcuses.co.uk. If people are interested in checking out that side of things as well, you don't give yourself the hard sell. <laughs> No, He's a very talented man. I'm too English, too yeah. English for the hard sell. Um, regular uh, sort of uh, listeners to the British podcast scene may well remember Nick's contribution to Joypod from uh, quite a few years ago now, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, you did a uh, you did a, a little rap under the name of uh, Mr. Tits, a sort of uh, a comedic pseudonym of yours, um, mm. and it was a rap about Joypod up to that point, and um, it was terrific. Really, really, you know. Very amusing stuff. Oh, it was it was good fun to do. I, I did enjoy contributing to that show, and um, for their actually for their final one, I did a I did a follow up rap, which That's right. I think was my my crowning glory. Yes, um, in the end, it was about six minutes long or something ridiculous yeah. like that. But um, check those out. I'm sure they can uh, be found somewhere. Hopefully, uh, back in the day. Yeah, that last one will be on spong.com anyway, if not uh, if not somewhere else. Yeah. So um, you opened up the show with our first uh, selection for this sound of play, and mm. uh, we've featured you as Okashira a couple of times before, but you can never have enough. And, uh, of course, that was the one from Streets of Rage 2 that everybody knows sounds quite a lot like The Shaman. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing, actually. Um, it is, uh, I mean, it's a fantastic um, soundtrack overall, but one thing one thing that strikes me particularly about um, chiptune music is I, I kind of feel like it's for me it was the kind of great leveler in that growing up listening to chiptune music on the C sixty four Amiga and Mega Drive and snares is that I got exposed to all sorts of um, composers that were drawn lots of different genres and the fact that it was it was given to me with a like a familiar palette of sounds because of the yeah. the chiptune nature of the music. I, I, I kind of feel like I took on board a lot more. I was open to a lot more genres than I otherwise um, would have been. Because, yeah, I, mean, I mean, certainly, you know, like you say, Under Logic is redolent of the shaman. And I was, I was <laughs> definitely not a fan of them at the time. No, no. Um, for those that don't know, it was an early 90s UK sort of dance crew. And... Um, 
So yeah, you've got you've got all these influences in the Ben Uckle Two soundtrack of uh, sort of acid house, rave, um, and just all sorts of electronica. Um, and then on the you know composers like Rob Hubbard would bring in progressive rock influences, oh, yes. and you'd in the Sonic games you'd get this the, the kind of light sort of jazz inflected pop and. It's all, all of this stuff I thought was fantastic, but it, like I say, it was the fact that it was delivered with a familiar set of kind of instruments that I think sort of predisposed me to um, take on board all these influences. Um, yeah, it's just a fantastic soundtrack. So Yuzo Koshiro uh, obviously uh, did music um, for uh, not only the Mega Drive, but also the SNES, but it, he he above almost anyone else managed to get stuff out of that Yamaha YM2612 FM synthesis chip of the Mega Drive than anybody mm. else, whether, whether um, you know, he sort of, uh, he co- his family, we, we talked about this before, I think, but his family are a kind of a team of coding prodigies and they, they oh. sort of made games as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a family unit, which is amazing in itself. But, wow. um, every, if, you know, he, he always had a, a credit on a title screen and we've seen this recently. The uh, M2's fantastic uh, emulation of Streets of Rage 2 and Bare Knuckle 2 because you can choose your ROM um, just come out for the 3DS uh, on the eShop it's £4 odd and it's another great excuse to play through uh, Streets of Rage 2 with some with some cheeky extras and some some fun knockabout additions as well um, we talked about uh, the, the entire Bare Knuckle or Streets of Rage trilogy back in Kane and Rince issue 70 so check that podcast out with uh, with Sega and Mega Drive mm. uh, fanatic Dan Clark who's always a fantastic contributor so uh, yeah always a pleasure so track two, uh, as is traditional, will come in this show from one of our forum contributors, uh, com slash forum. Go to the Sound of Play folder and look out for the uh, submissions thread. Uh, this one comes from Limity1603. Uh, and he says, or she, I don't know. My submission is Woods Remix, as featured in the relatively recent mobile-only game Super Stickman Golf 2. It was written for the first game by Whitaker Trebella, who is responsible for the soundtrack in both Super Stickman Golf games, and remixed by Jordan Shidolovsky to appear in the second. I enjoy Super Stickman Golf 2 as a fun little asynchronous game, but most of my enjoyment comes from listening to the music. Music doesn't exactly evoke emotions that I readily associate with a silly mobile golf game, but that, along with the chiptune simplicity, makes the quality of the songwriting stand out even more.
Whitaker Trabella there with the original, and that, uh, as we learned from uh, contributor Limity, was remixed by Jordan Shidlovsky. I also love the music to Super Stickman Golf Game as, uh, too, as well as as well as the game itself. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I love the music so much that I sought out Whitaker Trabella on uh, Twitter, and um, and directly said to him, "I love your, you know, I love the music that you did for Super Stickman Golf." And he was really he was flattered and uh, and responsive. And I believe he um, he's also a developer. He makes games as well as music. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but it's well worth checking out the entire Super Stickman Golf soundtrack obviously you can listen to it on places like youtube but if you've got an android or ios device i thoroughly recommend super stickman golf 2 it is not a straight golf game it is um it has nods towards golf it is it has the core sort of um you know swing and hit the ball and try to get it in a hole of golf but the courses are 2d fantasy courses with sticky substances and fans and whirly gigs and good knows what goodness knows what and it's a kind of action puzzle game more than it is a, a sports game so if, if sports games put you off and the word golf puts you off don't let it put you off super stick man golf too because there's a there's a really cool fun game in there with as you've just heard a really uh, excellent soundtrack next up we have uh, our friend josh Hello. Oh, this is from a, a recent game that you reviewed for the site. Yeah, um, so the track uh, I'm choosing is from The Witcher Free Wild Hunt. Um, uh, the, tra- the, the track is called Steel for Humans, and it was combo- uh, composed by the band Percival and uh, also the main composer for the game, Markin uh Prish Bywovich. I might have butchered that name, but I tried my best. Um, uh, it's not bad because that, that's a, that's a toughie for us uh, for us puny Englishers. That that's there's a lot of consonants in one space there for us. Yeah, yeah. but um, I picked this track because um, the a lot of the music choices in The Witcher Free are kind of atypical for this genre. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy games go for the kind of, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of orchestral soundtrack where it's big and bombastic. And one of the things I like about The Witcher 3 just in general is how unapologetically it is of that culture and how you can feel the influence of... Um, you know the folklore and and so forth from that part of the world the, uh, the slavic fo- uh, folklore and mythology in the game but also they've mm. taken that and kind of injected it into the music drawing from slavic folk music and giving it its own unique flair for this game um and uh, you know for the battle sequences which is uh, what steel of steel for humans is used for it's a bit you know more energetic and a bit more lively than you'd expect from this genre of music. But it injects those moments with uh, a personality that's really unique. Um, instead of going for the, you know, the big bombastic orchestra, it, it ends up feeling a bit more edgy and a bit more dirty and and it reflects the whole tone and feeling of the game. Um, I think it's a fantastic track. <laughs> Thank you. 
nice indeed. Short but sweet. That is, of course, from this year's, it's 2015, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, uh, the biggest indie game around, perhaps, <laughs> uh, from CD Projekt Red. And uh, yes, if you go to the homepage, com and just type in Witcher 3, you'll find Josh's uh, very thoughtful and well-considered review of that game. And one day, who knows, we may even tackle the Witcher series on the main podcast uh, when we've got about 350 hours to spare to play it all. Uh, something very different now. Um, I didn't even know the name of this song until uh, I decided to feature it for uh, for this sound of play. But amusingly enough, it's called My Dear Friend Rally. Yeah, it surprised and... me too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Now, this is layer upon layer, slice upon slice of ham and cheese, but presented with that delicious earnestness uh, that you associate with uh, mid-90s uh, Japanese coin-ops. Um, this is from the same stable as Daytona, of course. Um, and I think, although this song is credited uh, as being written by Kenneth Ibrahim and uh, Tetsuya Mitsuguchi, of course, one of the uh, the, the lead um, designers on on the, on the game, Sega Rally Championship 1995, um, I've seen various credits, so I'm not entirely sure about this. I don't know if there are any Super Sega fans out there who can uh, who can confirm, but um, I've seen it listed as uh, as the composer also being Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, but he's also credited as a vocalist. Now, uh, I think Mitsuyoshi is the guy behind a lot of the famous Daytona USA music, uh, Rolling Start and, you know, Blue Blue Skies and all that sort of stuff. But on the official soundtrack album, there's also a credit for vocal by Naoki Takao. So uh, forgive my ignorance, but hopefully it won't uh, affect your enjoyment of this uh, astonishing piece of um, uh, middle of the road <laughs> light jazz funk um, <laughs> that uh, that just uh, evokes those uh, those blue skies and indeed that particularly uh, slip slidey feel of the uh, of the original Sega Rally Championship with its uh, with its massive selection of four tracks which seemed perfectly reasonable for for your forty to fifty quid back in in the mid nineties. Um, obviously, playing it, you know, it, it was born in the arcades and in, uh, in nineteen ninety four and. Uh, you know the thought of getting to the end of of the three tracks that I think were present in the arcade machine because I think I think the fourth track Lakeside was a, a home home only exclusive as I recall. Um, but yes, this game was for many many years often cited by uh, various magazines and outlets as being you know one of the greatest racing games ever made. And I think in the modern market it would struggle to complete. But if you go back and play it now, it has an enormous amount of of charm and that completely infectious. Um, joyful quality that these Sega uh, arcade races did that hopefully we'll we'll get a taste of with the forthcoming um, sort of uh, ode to those 90s arcade racer the the uh, the independent game that's coming out for the Wii U at some stage hopefully and I suspect will come out on other formats after that for financial reasons but anyway uh, check these lyrics out um, you can you can google them for years I thought it was uh, feel the heartbeat of the line and uh, on in the chorus then I read it as uh, feel the heartbeat at the line. I thought, well, that kind of makes more sense. But it turns out it's actually, it's a very strange pronunciation of uh, feel the heartbeat of the land. Obviously, because you're a rally driver, so <laughs> oh. you're kind of at one, at one with the uh, with the environments. Anyway, there's some there's some uh, truly excellent lines and uh, and English pronunciations in here. So do enjoy.
track. Yeah, uh, it, it, it does. I mean, we were lucky enough to get a really fine version of Daytona USA on, on Xbox Live Arcade a few years back, and probably PSN as well, but I have the, I have the 360 version, um, which has all the music and it has the karaoke mode and, and all that sort of thing. But they didn't do it for Sega Rally. With, with Sega Rally, we got these sort of the modern versions um, mm. by Sega Racing Studio and... Um, uh, and and the things that came out of that, which are fun, fun, fun enough games in their own right, I feel, but um, but not they don't have the same that magical vibe of uh, of Sega Rally. Uh, Sega Rally was a game which came up recently on a Twitter conversation. We were talking about uh, uh, on the release of Tembo the Badass Ele- Elephant. We were talking about games with elephants in, and, and as well as the obvious uh, Street Fighter Two. Uh, there's also some rather lovely elephants in Sega Rally. So <laughs> look out for those. Fantastic. Now. Back further in time um, mm. to the the twilight years of the Commodore sixty four, but actually that was a that was a period of of incredible um, sort of creativity from from the remaining Commodore sixty four coders and musicians, wasn't it, Nick? Mm. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, at the at the end of the Commodore sixty four's life, um, coders were doing things that that I, I think. The, even the original designers of the C64 um, didn't think was possible. Um, For sure. And I, I, I suppose, once again, it's, it's fair to say that uh, machines these days, in their life cycles, they probably don't reach that point before a new generation right. supersedes them. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, this particular track is from uh, Creatures 2, uh, which was released in 1992, by uh, a brother trio um, called Apex Computer Productions. And I kind of feel like um, the, the, the brother that did the music, Steve Rollins, um, when you end up uh, doing sort of an 8-bit list of the most uh, well-regarded composers, um, he seems to often be left off, say, in favour of the sort of usual suspects like uh, yeah. Tim Follin, Rob Hubbard, Jerome and Tell, um, Chris Hulsbeck. And I wonder if that's that's because they were around in the the twilight days of the, the C64's life. Mm. And although uh, uh, another title of theirs, Mayhem in Monsterland, um, is actually remembered quite fondly and has ended up on the, the virtual console, um, I think that was not really his best work. It's the mm. um, Creatures and Creatures 2, I think, have some absolutely fantastic tunes. Once again, like I said um, earlier with uh, Under Logic, they took aspects of um, sort of hip-hop, um, you know, thumping beats and big uh, sort of uh, uh, huge bass lines and incorporated them into them into uh, the, the tracks from the game and... I, they're just kind of instant ear candy to me. And this particular one um, is used on what's called a, uh, a torture screen. Um, oh, yeah, which is, I've forgotten about these. Yeah, yeah it was, it's a very, graphically, it's a very cute sort of blue sky sort of game. But the, at a certain point, you would find one of your, um, your friends kind of... Um, kind of uh, uh, captured in some sort of... Ru- Rube Goldberg-esque sort of creation, which would, <laughs> yeah. which would, if you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't solve a, a number of minor puzzles to stop it, it would result in your friend's usually bloody and entertaining death. Um, and this particular one uh, features your friend being roasted over an open fire. 
and um, it's the final torch. And sick filth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, if only the Daily Mail had seen that. Um, mm. Yeah, and this is the final torture screen of the second game, and it's just, it's all tension. It just builds and builds and builds, and it was, a, it was an instant favourite when I heard it.
that smashing. We always like some uh, Sid Chip on Sound of Play. Uh, we often seem to get it from guests, certainly guests of a certain age, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> I know, yeah. You're younger than me anyway, I'm sure. But uh, but yes, uh, it means such a lot to so many of us who were, who were there during the 8-bit wars. Uh, it takes and, us right and back. And wars they were. <laughs> they were sadly yes yeah uh if I, i'm pretty i'm quite glad in hindsight that the internet wasn't around then because the whole the whole spectrum amstrad commodore 64 thing uh would have been uh even more annoying and unpleasant um than it was it would be like it is now uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. just completely pointless and, and a nightmare flame war yes indeed Next up, we have another community request or contribution, however you prefer to look at it. This is from uh, our friend Ideology Light, who wants a track from Lost Odyssey. Uh, he says, I'm not sure if the title of the song is some kind of translation error, as the mood of the piece is clearly very different to what the title implies. Either way, it's one of my favourite ever tracks from Uematsu, and the sadness of the piece is amplified by how few people have played Lost Odyssey and actually heard it. Despite the Final Fantasy pedigree behind the game, I like how the song actively seems to bypass the grandeur of the FF soundtracks in favour of something more intimate and sparse, with only the occasional orchestral swell. A beautiful game and a beautiful song. This is Demon Invasion by Nobuo Uematsu. <laughs>
so from Lost Odyssey there, a game that we have a number of uh, people on the Cana Rinse team who would love uh, us to make a podcast about that game, um, but possibly not enough to actually make it a show just yet. We've had a lot of discussions recently uh, among the team and uh, among our uh, community on the forum, on Twitter and so on about um, about the sort of difficulties of us tackling uh, longer games such as RPGs because of the nature of Cane and Rinse we all, uh, we all commit to finishing each game and obviously in among all our other commitments that can be quite tricky to do but rest assured we are always thinking about ways to cover games such as Lost Odyssey, uh, we'd love to do some Final Fantasies, we'd love to do Grandia games, we'd love to do Tales games uh, we've had many requests for East games although I don't think anyone on the team has ever played any of them, obviously we've done some Persona we're going to be doing some more um, we've done uh, the last story. There will be more, but uh, but you'll have to bear with us on that for obvious reasons. The format being what it is and our schedule being what it is, um, we have a lot of deadlines to meet. So uh, do bear with us. Knights of the Old Republic may happen at some point. Uh, yeah, so that was from, uh, gosh, quite a while ago now, 2007 originally. Yeah, uh, But a few years before that even, um, Josh, you've brought one of, uh, one of the tracks from one of your all-time Epic Shell favorite games. Yeah. Um, so the game is Half-Life 2, which we covered on issue 56 of Cane and Rinse. That's right. Um, the track is CP Violation, and it's by Kelly Bailey. And I, I really chose this track because I just I needed Kelly Bailey to be on Sound of Play at some point because mm. I think... Um, not not just not just in terms of uh, composition, but uh, sound design in general. Kelly Bailey is just up there with my absolute favourites in the field. Um, Agreed. Half Life Two, especially, um, yeah. uh, just some of the sound effects and and the music. I they invade my dreams and my nightmares, and um, like I, I can think of very few sound designers that have had that impact on me where the 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 sounds they've created have invaded my life outside of the Mm. game that they were involved in Mm. um and um the music especially one of the things that's so unique about the half-life 2 soundtrack um or at least it doesn't happen enough in my eyes, is that the music feels very much in sync with the sound design. Uh, This track in particular, CP Violation, it plays during the root canal section um, where you're going through the train tracks and stuff like that. And it feels like the trains going by and all of those sound effects, they feel like they're almost part of this track. Now, I think this track works very well in isolation. I, I, I think it's a great piece of music. But hearing it in context with all the other sound effects that Kelly Bailey's created uh, along with it, it just becomes this kind of really magical kind of... I, it's really hard for me to describe because um, I'm not a musician and I, I'm not a sound designer. So a lot of this just comes off as magic to me. And um, just the way he has constructed the soundscape of certain areas in Half-Life 2, and particularly this area, uh, just come together in, in a way that just sends the hairs on the back of your spine, you know, it, it makes them tingle and what have you. It's just, it's really, really effective. Um, uh, yeah, so this is CP Violation by Kelly Bailey.
another short one, but another cracker. Uh, yes, I can. I, that's Half Life Two is one of the games that I've completed multiple times, which is not that many games. There, there are some games that I will just play through over and over. Yeah, we talked about why that might be uh, back in that Cana uh, Rinse issue fifty six. We also we also talked about Half Life a few issues before that, and the episodes uh, Half Life Two episodes one and two a few. Uh, podcasts after that so you can check those out one day we'll do a half-life 3 podcast maybe maybe (laughs) maybe yeah uh right back to me and we're back in the arcades of the 90s unsurprisingly enough um i've recently very much fallen back in love with street fighter not that i ever fell out of love with street fighter but uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on around street fighter recently we we had evo uh for 2015 We've had the uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4 release for uh, PS4, which uh, it was, arrived a little bit shaky, but it's since been patched a couple of times by Other Ocean, and it's now absolutely sublime. It's, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like a, a shonky port anymore. It feels like a really dang, dang cracking version of, uh, you know, one of the um, essential fighting games. Um but my favourite games in the whole of the Street Fighter series, and I have been playing them since the start, uh, not very well, but I have been playing them, um, the Street Fighter Zero trilogy, Street Fighter Alpha, if you prefer. Um, I just adore everything about them. Uh, the the art is just sensational, I found. Um, it had a lot of my favourite music from the series, hence we're here. And and I still think that um, Street Fighter Zero 2 just feels to me like the most complete vision for street fighter it's just got so many nice touches and such fantastic uh gameplay and and uh such a such a feel um that not even the mighty ultra can quite match for me as much as i as much as i adore that game um now i've never been a rose uh player at all as a character but um but this uh this soundtrack for her which uh, debuted in the first street fighter zero uh in 1995 um by yuko takahara um is uh just hugely thrilling i find um i was never that into the street fighter music for the first few years and there were like, i remember Mean machines giving away a, a cd with some with some stage tracks on and i was like oh, i'm not really not really feeling it but as the time's gone on and these tracks have become more and more iconic and they've been remixed and remastered and changed for every different you know cps chip and then and then different versions of the game uh arranged for for home console releases on cd and so on i've become sort of got more into it and um but this track is definitely one of my favorites from the era uh takahara is a a veteran capcom composer um she worked on the snes version of aladdin which people will know i think that was the shinji mikami game um she's also done a lot of mega man stuff breath of fire stuff and uh yeah uh, she's She's just a clearly a hugely talented composer. And as you will hear from this uh, sort of, yeah, again, this there's an element of the prog in this, um, but I suppose it was supposed to evoke this sort of um, Italian magic user. Anyway, see what you think.
it's Rose's theme, which sort of cascades up and cascades down and goes all around and uh, makes me very excited. I remember the graphics for Rose's stage because famously on Street Fighter Alpha 1, there weren't that many stages. It, it, Alpha 1 felt like a bit of a proof of concept for, for what became Alpha 2. But Alpha 2 had way more stages, including Rose's, which had this most beautiful sprite art ship in the background, which, uh, yeah, still a game that I put on and play from time to time. Anyway, enough about me and Street Fighter. We'll <laughs> no doubt feature more Street Fighter in the future. And uh, here's a name uh, that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the legends. We featured him before on Sound of Play, and I'm sure we will again. Over to you, Nick. Yes, uh, we're taking, <laughs> once again, a trek back even further in time than Leon's choice, back to 1985. And this is the main theme to Mon- Monty on the Run uh, by Rob Hubbard. Um, and, uh, I mean, this. I was never much good at the game, as a kid, it was it was a very very difficult game and very tightly designed. Um, but I would regularly uh, load the game up just to sit and listen to the music. And um, the music, uh, it's it, the piece is about seven minutes long, mm. so there was a lot Epic. to listen to. Um, you know, featuring a full on Sid Chip guitar solo uh, yeah. right in the middle, and. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just crescendo after crescendo, a fantastic piece of music. Um, but m- many years later, um, I learned that the piece was actually quite uh, heavily based on a piece of music from 1948 called The Devil's Gallop um, mm. by a guy called Charles Williams. And it, I think it's probably a piece you'd recognise if you heard it um, because it was used in quite a lot of TV shows. But interestingly, the the first uh, show it was used in was a, a BBC radio drama uh, that was broadcast once again in the late 1940s to early 1950s about a secret agent called Dick Barton. Yes. Now, considering my name is Nick Parton, that seems like a very, I, a very I odd... Mentioned this, I mentioned this to you a while back. Did, do you remember this? Oh. I said special... I called you special agent Nick Parton. Oh, and that was a reference, was it? That was a reference to, ah. to Dick Barton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, well, I can't believe I didn't twig because, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is something that I found out um, a couple of years ago. And um, I just thought it was the most bizarre coincidence. Cause it, it I was... assumed your parents were fans. <laughs> you never know. Maybe they were. They saw the opportunity for some kind of off-the-wall <laughs> gag and, and, and just went for it with the birth certificate. But, it, I, I mean... Uh, Nonetheless, though, I mean, as as a piece, this really is, you know, it's, it's up there in my, my top five tunes of all time, um, mm. sort of retro or not. So I, I kind of felt like <laughs> I kind of felt like I had to in, include it if I uh, ever got on a sound of play. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, Monty on the run. So before we hear from Rob, the mighty Rob Hubbard and his uh, Monty on the run, uh, as you've heard once again, it's not just about what we like, what our contributors like, uh, our guests, that is. It's also about what you, the listener, like. So please continue to venture over to our forum at com, And that's where you can request your favourites. Not even It doesn't even have to be your favourites. It could be some kind of fascinating oddity that we've, we've yet to feature. Uh, anything interesting, especially anything with a, with a story behind it or, or nuggets of trivia, we're always up for that. Uh, we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each and every show. One thing we haven't been saying on Sound of Play that we really 
ought to is um, please do, especially if you use that whole iTunes thing. I know everybody hates it, but everybody uses it. Not everybody. <laughs> Lots of people use it. Um, we really could do with some more iTunes reviews and ratings for Sound of Play. Uh, we always ask for them on the main podcast, and we've got a very healthy amount of uh, fairly positive reviews uh, for Cane and Rinse. But for Sound of Play, we're, we're sorely lacking. Um, listenership is increasing, but our reviews are only slowly creeping up. Um, it really helps our profile um, and obviously... You know, people are more likely to look to a podcast that has uh, more five-star ratings or whatever you want to give us. It's entirely your choice uh, than one that hasn't. So, uh, yeah, please head over to iTunes um, and uh, and give us a give us a rating there. Uh, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh. And I can't believe, Josh, we got this far without me mentioning the fact that I perfected you on uh, Street Fighter Online the other night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> appear to have managed to slip that in and uh, and nick have you got anything else you want to uh, want to plug your your twitter account or anything you like uh well my twitter account is at fine excuses um i think the last time i was on here i, I plugged my podcast just add idiots but it's so ridiculously infrequent it's it's probably not worth doing you this need, time you need a level of discipline to do it regularly nick. oh it's it's uh, there is no discipline there crack the whip <laughs> Crack your own whip. Maybe I should. Well, it's out there anyway, so people can catch up with older Just Add Idiots anyway, can't they? So Indeed. New listeners, lots of old shows. That's how it works. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for coming on again. We'll have you on again. There's no, there's no limit to the amount of times people can come on Sound of Play. Game music fans always have to whittle it down to three, and that's really hard. So uh, we'll have you back, and you can have a few more choices at some point in the future. Thanks for inviting me on. No problem. And thanks again, always, as always, of course, to our community contributors. And uh, yes, without further ado, here is Rob Hubbard, and we'll see you on Sound of Play 22.